Welcome to episode four of Dope Nostalgia. We have a great show for you today where we're talking about two artists. And uh, I have a little story about this theme song. Check this out. my song i recorded when i was 12 oh nice i thought hey we need a theme let's use that <laughs> did you get royalties from it i did at the time because it was on power 92 so how much how much did you get ten dollars <laughs> 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 so like the story behind that song is um they had a contest uh Power 92's Power Mix Contest in 1993, I want to say 93, yeah. And then um, I won third runner, or second runner up, third place Yeah. with that song. And then I won some money. How much money did I win? I won $2,000. That's a lot when you're- When you're I was that 14 age. when I won the contest. Yeah. I was like, wow. I'm set for the rest of my life. Yes. And then they said the CD is going to be remixed by Chris Shepard. Uh-huh. Chris Shepard, we're going to be talking about quite a bit in this podcast, I think. Um, I'll turn more towards you here. And then, so, I thought for sure, oh, I'm going to be famous now. Right. This is it. This I'm is on my, my way. I'm on my way to stardom right right now. Right. <laughs> but it was such a cool opportunity, and I got to work with Chris Shepard on something and all that, and got to know him, and he was super cool, and he was always like, hey, how's your mom? You know, good guy. Right. But, um... The problem was is my track that got recorded, the, I couldn't find the studio. They had closed, and so I lost the actual original master reel. Oh, no. Yeah, what's that popping? I lost the master reel, so he wasn't able to like remix my song. Oh. But that was he was he felt bad about that, so he still like was like, hey, kid. Hey, Naomi, how's your mom? <laughs> Just like that. I can't remix your track, baby. I don't have the original. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> It's like you're here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a goal of mine is to get Chris Shepard on the show. Because, sure. But the thing is, I've gone on Facebook groups looking for him. I've searched high and low. I can't find him yet. A lot of people have said that he took off to an island somewhere in the Caribbean. 
Well, he's one of these celebrities that he's made enough money and he can disappear, so he will. Right? It's very, very possible. Yeah. That's what I would do. I swear to God, I'd be one of these people like I always have to laugh at, you know, uh, these billionaires and they're clawing for more money and everybody's trying to get more. If I had $10 million fall in my lap tomorrow, Mm -hmm. no one would ever see me again. (laughs) I would be gone. I would be out. I would just make sure like my family's shit is paid off. Sure. And then I'm I'm going somewhere and, you know, I could afford to have them come visit once when I felt like it, you know. I'm certainly not going to work on Monday. No, no, it's done. Yeah, I think I don't need to find something to keep me busy, but this would be it. It would be the podcast. Sure, because I quite enjoy it. Right. So I'm, be, but you would have the option of doing anything. So. That's <laughs> do. All right. Welcome down. Welcome down. Welcome to down. Rosario's Karaoke Central. <laughs> <laughs> this is dope nostalgia. I'm Naomi. Uh, my name is Colin Krieger. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so we're going to talk today. Okay, you know what was funny? I started the show last week saying we were going to talk about two artists. Yes. Ugly Kid Joe, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and and Moxie Fruvis. And we talked not about Ugly Kid Joe because we didn't have enough time. That's right, but we did get through a lot on Moxie Fruvis, which was good. I felt like Jimmy Kimmel when he says so Matt Damon was going to be on the show, but uh, we, ran we ran out of time. Out of time. So let, well, we can just tease the same thing. Now, we're going to talk about Ugly Kid Joe today, and uh, Matt Damon will be on later as well. Absolutely. Yes. Ugly Kid Joe is an American rock band from Isla Vista, California, formed in 1987. The band name spoofs that of another band, Pretty Boy Floyd. To date, Ugly Kid Joe have released four full-length albums, two compilation albums, and two EPs. Their best-selling records are As Ugly As They Wanna Be from 1991 and America's Least Wanted in 1992, which were both certified double platinum by the RIAA. The former is notable for being the first EP to go platinum. The band broke up in 1997, but announced a reunion in 2010. Now we're going to tell you a little bit more about them. I I have definitely messaged Whitfield Crane for an interview. Okay. Haven't heard back yet. Probably a busy guy. Probably. Um, But you know, we're inviting him to come talk. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few members of the band. I'm looking at the past member list, and there's seven past members. So that's yes. a lot. Yeah, no, they've lost some guitar players, I think. Isn't that always the story? That's always the story. That one, or if you're Spinal Tap drummers, there's <laughs> a lot of drummers. I know. Okay, so they, you started off saying earlier that they were the first EP to. That's uh, that's right. Ugly Kid Joe had the first EP to ever go platinum. And I think it was a surprise to them. Of course, the first EP was called uh, As Ugly As They Want to Be. And that's the one that uh, the big bomb came off. Of course, everyone knows everything about you. That's yes. the that's the Ugly Kid Joe flagship song. It is. And that actually was a great EP. They had, uh, I, I used to love the thing end to end. They got a great one on there called Madman. Madman was... Uh, Essentially, a song about a guy going crazy at Disneyland and shooting people, which you couldn't Ooh. release now. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, there's songs about drinking, of course, which everybody likes. And there's a Sabbath cover on it. They cover War Pigs. And is actually, it War Pigs? It is War Pigs. This says Sweet Leaf. Oh. Is War Pigs the same? I've always got those oh, two no, songs you know confused. What? I've, I've, got it, I've got it wrong. 
uh, Faith No More did Shit. War Pigs. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Um, Ugly Kid Joe did Sweet Leaf. But oh. that was actually my entrance into uh, Sabbath. Okay. Is I uh, I was not familiar with Black Sabbath until that came out, and then somebody mentioned it, and then I went after Black Sabbath. So I got into Black Sabbath through Ugly Kid Joe, which is the weirdest thing ever. It's not the weirdest thing because I find that there's a lot of um, artists that I found through other bands because they covered them. Because they covered them a lot. There's even some stuff that was sampled in the '90s or or remade that I had no idea even existed before that artist. I suppose that's probably true. Yeah, and I think that's happening to this day for the new stuff for the kids. Oh yeah, well I mean I think if you want to go back uh, to the late '80s, that a lot of people weren't familiar even with Rick James until until MC Hammer. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. especially the the younger kids. No, exactly. One that recently happened to me that I found out was a remake was "Come and Get Your Love" by the Real McCoy. Oh yeah, it was originally by Redbone. Redbone, yeah. And I didn't know that. This that's whole time I thought it was just real McCoy. Oh, really? No, that's that's uh, that one's actually come up a lot in karaoke circles. And it's the theme song for uh, F is for Family on Netflix. Okay. Made by one of my favorite comedians, Bill Burr. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's getting a lot more popular again. Okay, so that's how you got into... Sabbath. Okay. Yeah, with Through Ugly Kid Joe. So... I don't know. I, I like Ugly Kid Joe a lot. Their follow-up was was a great album, too. And actually, really, when you talk Ugly Kid Joe, there's really only two albums that are relevant. And that is their second one as well, America's Least Wanted. Mm-hmm. And they basically did... Uh, they sort of revamped the EP into, a, into an album. Even the cover art was more or less the same thing. The cover art on the first one... Um, was uh, a kid with his finger in the air and torturing a cat and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, of okay. course, that was back in the time of Tipper Gore and the PMRC and censoring records because it was hurting the kids. Oh, so yes. uh, they came out with, uh, a re- not a remix, but an edited version called Clean As They Want To Be. Of the whole album? Of the whole EP. Oh, the yeah. EP. Yeah. I bet it was ridiculously like bleeped and blooped, or did they did they just redo the words? I think they redid the words. If I, I honestly, I've never listened to. Clean it. as they want to be is not on Spotify, but I bet if I pulled it up on YouTube, you could probably find it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. YouTube's a gold mine. <laughs> um, so America's least wanted. Um, do you know what I remember uh, at the time was? I thought it was their second album coming out. Right. When I when this one dropped, America's mm-hmm. least wanted, and. The video for Neighbor was what stands out in my mind because Saturday Night Live had a character named Pat. Yes. Pat. Played by Julie, Julia Sweeney, I think. Julia Sweeney, yes, was Pat. And I think she starred in the video. I believe you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it he or she? It's Pat. Yeah. Well, do you think that was ahead of its time or do you think that was totally making fun of androgyny? I think, well, I don't know if it was really making fun of anyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Was Pat a, a trans character? I don't think so. No, they just didn't know. They just didn't what. know. Yeah. And everybody was tip- tiptoeing around it. Right. In the sketches. Yeah. And let's be honest, in our life, it's all happened. It's happened to all of us. You meet someone and you're not sure of their gender when you're talking to them. And that's not Some, a bad thing. No, it's not it's a just, bad thing. Just, you know, you don't know. So that's I think the main concern is that you're worried that you'll offend them. That's correct. Yeah. Like, I don't want to call you ma'am if you're not a ma'am. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll call you a ma'am if you're a man. I don't know I, what your pronouns are. That's right. That's right. 
but <laughs> it's getting it's getting better and it's getting more acceptable to to ask i think it's getting you know there's a time when if you asked what gender are you someone would be really upset about it and oh, i yeah. think maybe now it would be less so hopefully yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's one thing that's going to be totally different from when we talk about the 90s a lot is some of the things that were said or lyrics and songs that you just wouldn't be able to do now. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, even yeah, yeah, not not to do with music, but I'm a big Penn and Teller fan and they have a series called Bullshit. And mm-hmm. I was watching some of the old episodes of Bullshit the other day and those are from the late 90s. And some of the stuff they say on there, and they're a pretty progressive group like pretty pr- progressive yeah. couple of guys and some of the stuff you could not say now <laughs> you could it would not be acceptable you know they did they did one on um environmental hysteria and basically like ah it's all garbage there's no global warming so, okay. they said that yeah i was surprised yeah so i mean there's just a ton of things that that you couldn't say anymore <laughs> I couldn't have this album. Oh, why not? Because they're, well, I don't even think I really wanted the album because, well, I'm Christian. Right. And I grew up like, so I was allowed to listen to certain things after a while. I didn't listen to anything that I could do of my own choosing until the late 80s. Okay. So this one was a questionable album, especially because there's, there's titles of songs in there that I, I wouldn't even say, like the bleep devil. Oh, right. Yeah. I won't even say that. So that wasn't an album that I was really into, but I saw some of those singles on much like uh, Cats in the Cradle. Yes. And Neighbor. Neighbor was great. Actually, uh, just backing up to the song you're talking about, Goddamn Devil, uh, Rob Helford did guest vocals on that. Rob Helford and Judas Priest, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were already making making friends in the business oh at for that sure point. well they went out i mean really early on as a, a support act for ozzy osbourne on no more tears they were supporting totally makes sense yeah 100 percent. one wow. of the big ones like you said uh other than uh their first big smash other than uh, everything about you was cats in the cradle that's one of they're known for and mm-hmm. they didn't even write that's a cover and i think that was the last single i remember from them other than, I remember Neighbor, Everything About You, Cats in the Cradle. I think those were the big three that came out. Yes. I can even, well, looking over at their Wikipedia, it'll also tell you how they charted, right? So, discography, singles. Um, they did release Sweet Leaf as a single and, and a song called So Damn Cool. So Damn Cool didn't even chart. It charted at 44 in the UK. Wow. Well, that, yeah, that was a, that was a filler song. I'm surprised that was a single. 
Cats in the Cradle did very well, and they probably did really well for Harry Chapin too. Oh, Harry, no, Cat Stevens. Who? Who? That's Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. Oh, I'm because the word cat. I think that it's Cat Stevens. <laughs> Duh. You got a real expert here running a show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's kind of the same sound. Harry <clears throat> Chapin and uh, Cat Stevens have sort of the same sound. Yeah, very similar. That's where I get confused. But anyway, yeah, Harry Chapin tune. So, yeah, he probably made some bank off that. My child arrived just the other day Came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away He was talking for a minute and as he grew He said I'm gonna be like you Dad, you know I'm gonna be like you And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon The little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when We'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then Looking through how many how many singles they released and when 1994 would probably have been off the same album because uh they, they have Nativity in Black yes that's their other so, Sabbath cover okay but that was not was that released on a different album that was on I believe that was on uh, America's Least Wanted maybe they had like an extended version or something like a nowadays what do they call that when 
Oh, they yeah, they have like the the UK version or something like that. Yeah, because it's not on Spotify under the the America's Least Wanted album. What they did is they recorded uh, NIB for the for Nativity in Black, which is a Black Sabbath tribute album, mm. and uh, then they put it on. It looks like they put it on Menace to Sobriety, which was their third one. Okay, um, I don't see that on Spotify either, but we're gonna play a clip of it right here for you guys. Let's do it. <laughs> That's uh, NIB. NIB, the so they did, they really like Sabbath. They he, he must have a really good relationship there with Ozzy. I would think so. Do you think that Ugly Kid Joe's the type of band that's more about it's it's really just a Whitfield Crane band and everybody else was interchangeable? <sighs> Hard to say. I mean, there was really good musicianship there, but Whitfield Crane was the you know, he was a great vocalist. He was a good-looking guy. He was, when you envision Ugly Kid Joe, that's who you think of. Mm-hmm. I think I think in a lot of cases with bands like this, the uh, the lead singer is the, the important part. Because, yeah. I mean, who can, uh, without looking, who's the drummer for Ugly Kid Joe? Nobody knows. Um, I'm looking at the lineups here. They actually have that on the wiki, and the drummer changed for the, f- ah, it changed quite often, quite often. Spinal Tap drummers. I was listening to their most recent album in preparation for this episode. Um, I'm going to go back up and tell you what that one was called. <laughs> but I noticed off the very first track that it didn't even sound like him. It's called Stairway to Hell. That's the name of the album. It came okay. out in 2017. Wow. First track called Devil's Paradise. And I was like, did they get a new singer? He, his voice sounded very different to me. Okay. Well, I mean, it could be just a matter age. Of, of age. Yeah. Age. But very, he's very Aussie influenced. He sounds a lot like Aussie, I think, on this Oh, I think so. Track. I think so. He's got tone like Aussie. Mm hmm. So um, they even have two acoustic, co- uh, well, they have Cats in the Cradle acoustic on the new album. Mm hmm. And I don't know. They, what- they're running Cats in the Cradle again. Uh, that's what you do. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. Can we maybe get back on the radio with this? Okay. <laughs> and then uh, we're never getting an interview with Whitfield Crane now. Oh, geez. I hope he never <laughs> listens to it. I think we're being nice-ish. Sure. Um, 2015, before that, they released Uglier Than They Used To Be. Okay. So still beating that horse to death. 
and that's hence why I said that. I I do feel like why else would you cover one of your old tunes if it wasn't for the right for the airplay? Wow, that's right. Get some press that way, right? I think a lot of bands have done that. Oh, I think a lot of bands have done that. That's a that's a very common thing to do. I I'm surprised that they didn't release a greatest hits package. They never did. Did do you think they had enough studio albums to do so? Yeah. Some people put out greatest hits packages and they have two or three albums. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think they would have had enough for like a, a 10 track greatest hit album. That's not bad. No. I don't know. Do we have any like little known facts about the band? Little known facts. Like, did they get in a lot of trouble? Did they ever do anything to go to jail? I don't think so. Were they really, really bad? Or is it just pretend? Make sure you talk to our good friends Adam and Brian down at Analog Brewing. They're the official beer of Dope Nostalgia. They're at 8620 53rd Avenue. You can catch their tap room open from Thursdays through Saturdays, 4 till 11. Enjoy $6 pints at an everyday low price of $13 for a four pack of retro styles. That's Analog Brewing, the official beer of Dope Nostalgia. Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right! Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. Well, the perfect video store... Welcome to Blockbuster Video! ...is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. Blockbuster Video! Oh, here's in February 2015. They used a crowd. They used crowdfunding to pay for the recording of their next album. Okay. Yeah. You know that's not uncommon. That's actually very common, especially in the climate where you don't get record deals anymore. I suppose so. Um. I mean, even the new artists have trouble getting record deals. So an established artist who isn't on a major label anymore, I can totally see them doing that. Yeah, um, and your hardcore fans want to see that next album. So. Yeah, so I'm looking at a recent picture of him. He's got short hair now, right? He cut his hair. Is that him in the main picture there? That's him. That's him. Wow, he used to be super handsome, and that's past. Uh, <laughs> he just looks older, I think. Um, it says here he Whitfield. This news article says Whitfield Crane says he got sick of playing ugly kid Joe hit cats in the cradle by the mid '90s. That's a question that I ask some people in interviews is, do you get tired of playing that hit? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know how I would feel about it. I would always look at it, if it were me, going into it, that this is the one that made me have this, have all that I have. Right. So I should probably do a solid job of it mm-hmm. every time. Well, Even I think, if I'm tired of it. Yeah, and that's what people come to see. Like I this recently had some friends go see Judas Priest the last time they came to town. And they said they played all of the new album, but like they didn't play Living After Midnight and they didn't play Turbo Lover. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, Ooh. that's what you go for. You have a lot of pissed off fans, unfortunately. Yeah. And I would say not to stereotype Judas Priest fans, but they're probably older. If you're a Judas Priest fan, you're probably mm-hmm. 40 plus at least. Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't pay $85 to hear all of the new stuff only. Like, I mean, great. The new stuff is fantastic, but I, I want to hear Living After Midnight. Mm-hmm. You got another thing coming. I want to hear that. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, or for instance, I saw Counting Crows uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. and 
they completely did a strange, messed up, bastardized version of their big hit, Mr. Jones. It was very lazy. Yeah. It was like he sang the melody like it wasn't even the melody. Like you couldn't sing along with him. No. He changed up the rhythm of it and everything. And I get you're wanting to use your artistic integrity and make it fresh and interesting for yourself and for the people. But you don't do that with that song. No. And especially since there's a, a percentage of the crowd who came specifically to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people like, oh, I love that. So I'm sure the show will be good. So they go. And then it's not how they expected it. Yeah. Because the majority of the ticket buying population, they're going they're like, oh, I love that song. That's why I'm buying your hundred dollar ticket. Right. And it's because they love that song. So, yes. So do that song. To do that song. Whether in it annoys you or not. I, that's what I think. That's yeah. what I think. Well, I mean, any of us, you go to work, we do things we don't want to do at work. Uh-huh. You know, so if the w- thing you don't want to do at work is play a song you've played a lot of times, I don't have any. I don't have any. I don't cry for you. No kidding. If ninety yeah. percent of what you do is what you want to do, yeah, there's like ten percent that kind of sucks. Well, that's life, that's buddy. Not, yeah, and that's not a bad percentage. Not at all. No, I'm being generous. <clears throat> cool. What else can we say about these motherfuckers? Yeah, let me see here. I'm trying to think of like uh, I can't believe they weren't controversial. I don't think they were very controversial. They weren't controversial. So. Other than other than the typical like slapping a parental advisory on the CD. Right. But even without a lot of bands in those days um, wanted the sticker. I remember reading interviews where they said, well, yeah, we want the sticker because that means record sales. You know, oh, a, lot, a, yeah. lot, a lot of kids want the want the uh, the album with a sticker on it. Do you remember when uh, Guns N' Roses used your illusion one and two came out and they put their own sticker on it? Did they? Yeah. There was the, the one that PMRC put on it, the explicit lyrics. And theirs was something about, uh, this album has real talk on it. And if you don't like it, you should fuck off and buy something from the new age section. Or something. <laughs> and it was right on I there, right, as, right aside for right beside the uh, PMRC sticker. Yeah. I just, I just love them. I do. Oh, I know. I, I don't know if we'd actually be able to do a Guns N' Roses show because they're so big that I, w- I wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I'll think about it. Yeah. That's kind of not the focus, usually, of what I'm doing. But you never know. You could probably get an interview. I could get an interview with like, somebody who was in the band, maybe. Dizzy Reed isn't doing anything. He's still in the band. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, then you could get... Uh, somebody who left. Um, Gilby Clark. Gilby, <laughs> Gilby Clark hasn't done nothing. Yeah, he's gotta be doing in. something. Well, I'm sure he's doing something, but I haven't heard his name in a long time. Can you time. imagine? That would be a fantastic interview. That'd be great. I enjoy Gilby Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Ugly Kid Joe opened for lots of people, though. They opened for. Uh, they did open for Guns N' Roses. They opened for Alice Cooper. They did a joint co-headlining European tour with uh, Skid Row. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. What year was that? That was. Uh, oh, that was 2013. So Skid Row was already in there the twilight of their career there but that would be a good double bill though that must be around the time when oh yeah so you said 2013 2013 yeah okay so that was not with sebastian bach yeah and have you uh did you ever see skid row without sebastian bach no i haven't yeah have they come to edmonton without sebastian they did they opened for kiss without sebastian bach interesting and i didn't even recognize them at first i wonder who their singer is not uh, not the someone with the talent of Sebastian Bach. Skid Row, yeah. I, I like how we've gone. I have a lot more to say about Skid Row because <laughs> <laughs> I know more about them. But um, 
Because their story is interesting because they were also found by John Bon Jovi, I think. Skidrow was? Yes, they were. Yeah. I think Rachel Bolin, Scotty, those guys were friends with John. And Oh, uh, right. They're all New Jersey guys. Yeah, they're New Jersey guys. So that's how that came about. Um, I'll t- I'm, stay- I'm staying with the Skid Row thing right now. Um, Sebastian Bach was one of the very first people that I found an email address for in the mid-90s. Okay. Because it was published in Metal Edge magazine. Yes. And I think it was back off at AOL.com or something. Okay. So I wrote him and uh, I was just like, hey, I'm a fan. This is email things cool. You know, awesome. Bye. I'm Naomi. See ya. Never and expecting then, to hear anything. And he wrote me back. Wow. We wrote me back. Actually, we had we carried on a message conversation probably about two or three, four times across back and forth. Wow. What, what did you talk about? I wish I'd saved those emails, but I ha- I, I wasn't able to. My floppy probably failed or something. I <laughs> That's okay. His floppy fails him too. <laughs> um, the, the, what ended our conversations was I brought up Bon Jovi. Oh. Yeah. Um, I've said something about being a fan of them too. And I got a message back from him that verbatim said, Bon Jovi stole money from us, dot, 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 dot. And then I never heard from him again. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I screwed up our relationship that was budding there, our friendship. Well, he's had marriages end over less. So, you know. Yeah. He's a little volatile, that man. Remember Democracy? Then they made the Super I do. When they made the, uh, when it was the reality show. Yeah. Interesting show. You had Ted, some interesting personalities. Ted Nugent. Yeah. Um, Jason Bonham with John Bonham's son. Yeah. Jason Bonham was on it. Scott Ian was on it. Scott Ian was not a a trouble to deal with, though. No, he was like the the passive one in the group. Yeah, he was fine. Um, Probably the the sensical one. And uh, Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard. Oh, yeah. And he was married to Tara Patrick, the porn star. But, I mean, watching that show, you have Evan Seinfeld on there. One of these things is not like the others. Like, who knew who that was till that show? Tara Patrick or Evan Seinfeld? Well, Evan Seinfeld. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, and He's he and he him and Sebastian Bach got in fights on the show, and Ted Nugent got in fights with everyone on the show, and mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's good TV. It is good TV. Mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I I, I met Sebastian Bach at K Days at the fe- festival we have here in Edmonton in right. the summer, the 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 carnival. He played a night. And then he signed some autographs and took some pictures and such. And I walked up to him and I'm like, dude, your voice is sounding pretty good. You sound really nice. And he kind of just like has this introspective moment where I don't know if he's realizing he's actually speaking out loud or talking to me. Where he was just like, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, I remember you went really well tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's take a picture. (laughs) Nice nice guy, nice guy. Of course he was drunk at that moment. Maybe. I don't know what his sobriety level has been in the last few years. Well, it sure wasn't good when Is he was on be that the, show. The Slash Skid Row edition? Ah, <laughs> the Slash just, Skid Row. The fun thing about podcasts is you just... You just edit. Go. Or you uh, just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, I would like to apologize to the listeners for the episode two when Colin was my guest on here for the first time. Never because, apologize. Because this is a new thing for me and the audio quality of Colin's microphone was the shit, as in poo. So I'd like to apologize for all the listeners that, you know, we're ironing out the kinks. Yes. One interview doesn't record, <laughs> but I think we're in our groove now. I think we're in our groove. Oh, by the way, I, I was going to uh, bring this up earlier. 
as we record this, you have just recently done an interview on the CBC Radio Morning Show. I did. Yesterday morning, I got to talk with Tara and Mark at CBC Radio Edmonton, um, telling them all about Dope Nostalgia. And uh, what a thrill. Those guys were amazing. Um, I don't know if I can play that on this podcast. Do you think that I could? Uh, I'm sure that you could. Yeah. I may, I may not. We'll see. We'll see. I'll see. There's a, there's links to it on our social media. I'll say that. That was there's, great. There's yeah. links to it on the social media if you want to check out the interview. <clears throat> I sound like a smoker again today. <laughs> <clears throat> That's why we drink tea sometimes. We drink some analog brewing along with tea. Analog brewing being our official beer of the podcast. You got to check them out based out of Edmonton. I'm hoping that you, uh, if you're listening from somewhere outside of Edmonton, that you have a way to find analog brewing in your local liquor stores. I wonder if it can uh, order order it in. I would imagine they probably could. Or you can uh, check them out yourself if you just uh, head down to Analog Brewing. They're at 8620 53rd Avenue. And you can talk to Adam and Brian when you get down there. Good bunch of guys. And they've got actually... Yeah, if you go and check it out, from 4 until 11, you can get $6 pints down there. As well, they've got uh, everyday low price of 13 bucks for a four-pack on their Retro Styles uh, line. So check those guys out if you want some suds. And they got a really cool imaging, too. If you're oh, into very. the 90s uh, video game type of aesthetic, they've got really cool imaging. So check them out, Analog Brewing. I really like that. Uh, it's like Peach Milkshake IPA. Okay. In Another Castle, it's called. Um, super cool imaging and I love peach anything. So yeah, it tastes real good. You guys check it out. And it's got a peach sort of a, I mean, what is it like a peach, like aftertaste or is it based on peach or? Uh, I can't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> I just wrecked that whole segment. No, 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 no. You just cut that out. <laughs> I actually haven't had one for like two months. Ah. So I can't remember. We, Oh, here's some news, Ugly Kid Joe news um, that I actually read in their wiki. Whitfield Crane says he was offered the position of lead singer for Judas Priest at one time in 1996. Um, and Rob Halford is one of his idols and one of the greatest metal vocalists of all time, right? Yes. So that's a big deal to be offered that, I would assume. But I think um, he turned it down. Yeah. Probably out of respect. Do you think out of respect? Out of respect for the Judas Priest legacy? Uh, I'm just reading through here and finding out. Because it would have been Ripper Owens went on to take that, right? Here's what he was quoted as saying. I was thinking we can't do it because you can't be Rob Halford. You can't be David Lee Roth. You can't. It'd be cool, and considering my love for Priest, which is immense, that would have been cool to do it, but not really. It's not a good move. But the jam with Tipton and to know those guys, I mean, those are my fucking heroes. Judas Priest, I mean, fuck. <laughs> I mean, fuck. <laughs> quote. <laughs> End quote. Uh, um, well, somebody had to do it, you know? Yeah, I wonder what he was going through at the time that uh, he needed to be replaced. Could have been health issues. Who knows? Well, he split from the band for a period of time. I don't know if it was creative differences or what, but remember he had uh, a band called Fight for a while. Okay. And then he was uh, solo for a little while as well, and then I'm not sure when he got back with the band, but I remember there being some sort of drama. That was a tough thing, too, in Van Halen. When I read that situation, I, I'm glad you mentioned David Lee Roth because I thought about Van Halen. 
yeah. in that situation. Um, where I'm one of those people that you want to hate because I like Sammy Hagar singing in Van Halen better. <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's where we dip into the 80s a little bit too, hey? Um, but like For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge is my favorite Van Halen album. It's a great album. That one I, in balance. Or, yeah. I can't say that, that uh, um, Sammy Hagar sucks by any means. No. But no, if I have to pick one, it's Diamond Dave. I like the showmanship. You guys should email me and tell me off. We're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, I'm, re- I'm gonna read your your emails. We'll promote through controversy. Yes, email the show. Absolutely. That's because that. Uh, let's get some dialogue going. <laughs> Dope nostalgia podcast at gmail dot com. Tell Naomi why she's wrong. <coughs> tell me, tell me why Van Hagar sucks when I think they rule. <laughs> Once again, that's Dope Nostalgia Podcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> And that's 90s relevant because those albums came out in the 90s. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, some of some of Van Halen's best I think came out in the 90s. Well, this is another th- thing though where I was it was an age thing for me because I didn't listen to Van Halen in the 80s. I was young and it just wasn't on my radar. Sure. So I never experienced what David Lee Roth was like until later. Right. And I looked at him and I'm like, I don't this guy makes me uncomfortable. David Lee kid, Roth made kid. you uncomfortable? As a kid, yeah. Okay. As a kid. Because of... Who's going to slide into her seat or into her butt or whatever he says. On the side. <laughs> slide between my legs I don't, I don't grab he, my stick. I don't think he said slide into her butt. I'm pretty sure that wasn't uh, a lyric. Okay. It's reach down between my legs and ease the seat back. But, oh, but it's, he says it so sexually. Well, he does. He, sexually. See, he says it like a creeper. Yeah. Between my legs and... Ease the seat back, and, uh, and I'm like, nah, no, <laughs> no, no, stranger danger. That's right. But Sammy Hagar would never say such a thing, would he? No, Sammy Hagar would just try and get you to drink underage and take your top off. That's what Sammy Hagar would do. Maybe, yeah, it's possible. I really want to go to Cabo Wabo. Well, I've been to Cabo Wabo in Vegas. Yeah, but that's not the same. It's not the same. I want to be there in fucking Cabo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyways, right to the show. Tell me how um, David Lee Roth rules. Uh, yeah. Also, we're wanting to start a new um, segment uh, about fads, trends oh. that you remember. That, uh, And I want you guys to send me your pictures of you. If it's like an outfit, like you're wearing whatever the fad trendy clothes was from that era, then we'll a, talk about it. Or a slap bracelet. Snap, yes, snap bracelet. Snap bracelet. Slap, yeah. snap, whatever, whatever it is. You, what you did with it. Um, the first one that I'd like to do is the hypercolor shirt. Oh, yeah. If anybody has one of those still. Yeah, not only has one, it, I, I want you to let me know if you still have one. Message us, let us know if it still works. Yeah, I heard that after a while they didn't work as well. Or at all. I'm or not sure. But that was the thing. I had to have a hypercolor shirt. Everybody in my class had to have a hypercolor shirt. Yeah, I didn't have one. It was a very short time span that they were popular for about two years. Yeah, something like that. Oh, and if you're a rocker, if you're a 80s rocker, I want to see your uh, pictures of your outfit with your high top shoes and your uh, acid wash jeans and your denim vest. We know we have a friend who probably wears all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I still have it all. On stage. On stage. Oh, on stage. I think he wears it like to bed. Possibly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like send me your pictures of you guys wearing your hypercolor shirts or 
Um, even like if you've got a scanner and you still have a photo in a photo album wearing your hypercolor shirt, or if you want to take a photo with your cell phone of your photo, send it in and we'll share it on our social media. <laughs> you can check us out on Twitter. It's Nostalgia Dope. And see what we. Oh, also, uh, we've got incidentally. Yeah, dope underscore. Un- dope underscore nostalgia. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Why did I go with the name Dope, you wonder? That's what I was actually just going to ask you that. Well, Dope was a hot word that in early 92 or early like 90, actually. It's true. Dope. That's dope. That means it's awesome. It's cool. It's mm-hmm. dope. I mean, there was words like that before that, like radical, bodacious. I think there's people dope. older than us, though, that would hear the name and think that this was uh, this was a podcast about smoking dope in the 70s. About drugs. Dope nostalgia. Yeah, that's crossed my mind. <laughs> It's crossed my mind. I'm like, some people might think that this is a weed talk. This is weed talk. <laughs> you want to talk about weed? Yeah, we can. It's legal, dudes. We're I'm Canadian. sure there's. I I haven't uh, looked myself, but I'm sure there are so many weed podcasts out there that if we did do one, we'd get lost in the shuffle. That's true. Yeah. No, and I'm not interested in weed, to be honest with you. No, I'm not a weed guy myself. No, I I respect people who want to smoke weed. Sure, give her, man. Just give her, but I just don't do it myself. Just give her. You know, I've tried to smoke weed, and it makes me paranoid. Sure. I'm smoking the wrong weed. Well, yeah, now that they have different kinds of it, now that you could go to, like, a dispensary and find something with, like, high CBD or whatever, you probably Mm. wouldn't get that happen to you. I think I need that body high and not that THC high. Because the THC makes me like, are they talking about me? (laughs) I swear they're talking about me. That's what I did the last time I smoked pot. Yeah. It wasn't good. But I had a friend share an edible with me the other day, and I didn't know it was an edible. I thought they just had some really cool organic candy. Yeah. Yeah. It was fuzzy peach, and it was delicious. And then I got in the hot tub with them with my beer, and we're chatting. And she starts talking about the edibles. And and I'm like, oh, I haven't smoked. I said, I haven't had. They're passing the joint around. I'm like, thanks, but it's been years. Yeah. And she goes, "Uh uh-oh. She goes, you know that candy I gave you? That was THC candy. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I feel pretty good, though. (laughs) So maybe when I'm unaware of being high. Yeah, maybe when you're not worried about it. But the thing is, with an edible, too, it comes on nice and slow. And when you smoke, it hits you across the forehead like a baseball bat. Because it goes straight into your lungs. Straight into your bloodstream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, also, I was drinking, so it was probably mixed together. Sure. I'm surprised it didn't make you fall asleep. And I was in a hot tub. So, yeah. pff, recipe for, for snoozes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to cordially invite Whitfield Crane, as well as any of his bandmates, or past or present, if they want to come and have a chat with us. We'd love that. Then you can set us straight on our on our facts. On our, <laughs> on our quote unquote facts. What are they doing now? Let's let's get to that. What's Ugly Kid Joe doing now? I mentioned in 2017 they put out a new album. Okay. Yeah, uh, actually they had in they put out an EP in 2012, mm-hmm. and then they did a bunch of festivals in Sweden, that sort of thing. They did Gods of Metal in Milan, uh, Serbia. They went to Serbia. Uh, they were the main support act for Guns N' Roses for a while in 2012, Ooh. and then was that in the ch- in the Buckethead days? I believe that was the Buckethead days. I think so too. Yeah, so that was sort of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, 
And then in um, uh, February 2015, they used PledgeMusic.com in a crowdfunding effort to pay for their next album, which was called As Uglier Than They Used To Be, of course, to take off on their original EP. Mm -hmm. And that came out in 2015. And the crowdfunding worked because it was released. Obviously, the crowdfunding worked. But like I said, they did put out an album called Stairway to Hell in 2017, which you can find on Spotify and I'm sure Apple Music and wherever they play good tunes. So check them out. See what they're doing now. And I, like I said, come on the show, guys. Let's talk about your new stuff. Mario! 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 was as Super Mario Brothers 3 from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. The second artist we're featuring on today's podcast is Latour. Now the reason I brought him up is because I used to listen to the open house party. On First it was 630 Chad and then Power 92. The open house party, yeah. The open house party was a syndicated across North America show. Yes. And the host was John Garabedian at the time. Okay. And that's where I got a lot of these tunes and a lot of, like, this was one of them. People are still having sex. It was played on there quite often. Um, they had to change the song because there is a lyric in it that says, people are still having sex. This AIDS thing's not working. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, even I, I'm surprised like for that time you could get away with more things like that. But but you couldn't you, you, you could you could like, because they ended up releasing a censored version that was or change. It's called they they changed the line to this safe thing's not working. OK, well, you know, uh, let's let's spin it for the folks that have not heard it, because I think there's a lot of people that are not familiar with this. Yeah, I'm going to play the whole damn song, too. Oh, right. on. All right. Here you go, guys. People are still having sex. But I already have Spotify. This is a good, like, club track. It very much was. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised I haven't heard of this one before. Once you get into the chorus, you might have. Nice. So random. This sounds like something that you made with a Casio keyboard when you first got it. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to put this cool sample on top of it. Just throw it all together in a pot. That's stir right. It. Here, now we're getting into the meat of the song. a damn long song well like most club tracks it's got a long intro i'm sure it's probably got a long tail on it too have you noticed that people are still having sex all the denouncement had absolutely no effect parents and counselors constantly scorned them but people are still having sex and nothing seems to stop them right yeah 
This is very indicative of the era, for sure. From the genre of songs where there's talking and not singing. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Well, we got the original, I guess, eh? going on for quite a while yes like yes, since the dawn of time yes how dare you <laughs> mm. break down cast your keyboard Right, folks. Do, have you heard enough? <laughs> I think I've got the idea. Have we got the idea across? Because there's four more minutes of this. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <clears throat> oh wait. This is nice. What's gonna happen next? going to be some kind of sound effect of dogs barking or something. Nothing makes them stop. We'll, we'll give them one more of these. This AIDS thing's not working. All right. And there we're you gonna, have it. We're going to we're going to fade that out. Yeah. And that's 90s. That sounds like very late 80s to me. That actually, if you look in the wiki, I'm pretty sure that came out in the 90s. Otherwise, this whole chat is pointless. 91 it says. 91, that sounds about right. From yeah. the album Latour. Latour is one word. Um, so this Bill Latour, who is the voice creator, DJ, producer, was a member of a Chicago punk band called The Squids. So that's where he started with stuff. And then he started producing house music, signed with Smash Records, and released his first epi... How do I say this word? Epo- eponymous? What eponymous? Is it? What does eponymous mean? I don't know. Let's look it up. Yeah. Help me, folks. Um... People are still having sex. Reached number one in the Hot Dance Music Club play chart and became a Billboard Top 100 hit. Number 35 on the Billboard Top 40, which is not bad, considering it's a very unknown song now. But like I said, it got a lot of play back on the open house party. Okay, so Latour also performed as a studio musician for many house music record labels in Chicago during the 90s. And musicians, including... Ralphie Rosario, White Knight, Terry Baldwin, Frankie Hollywood. I think I've heard of Frankie Hollywood. Rodriguez. Yeah. DJ International Records, SOS Records, and a bunch of other record companies. And he had a radio career as well. Radio work began at an early age, spending many hours at Trevor Brown High School in Phoenix, Arizona, the radio station there. So what did he do after that? Let's see. He became an on-air personality. That's in the 80s. Okay, so essentially this guy was a radio DJ as well and put his mixes on 
out on the radio for the world to hear. And he was based out of Chicago. And what else can I say about this guy? You know what? What I'd like to do is I'm trying to try to find Latour, William Latour. We're going to have to uh, get him on the show. That'd be great. Yeah, if you could find him, I'm sure that he would uh, love yeah. to come on. So my ask out to all you folks who have heard of this song, heard of William Latour, um, hit us up with an email, see if we can get him on the show. Um, and you can tell him what he's doing now. It'll be good. If you're perhaps his brother-in-law or something. That's right. Who's obviously listening. That's right. Of course he is. <laughs> um, so based out of Chicago, he was big on radio. Um, he was a radio jock himself for many, many years. And um, an ex-punk band called The Squids is where he started his music career. Then he got himself a big hit of the time. Number 35 on the top 100 billboard chart. Not too shabby. His parents are very proud. That's right. I found one more tidbit of information about Latour. I found this song after doing a little more research, and it's called Blue. Apparently, this song was the feature in the soundtrack to the movie Basic Instinct, in a scene where Sharon Stone does naughty business. <laughs> I think the whole movie was naughty business, but I think it's in a club, if I remember correctly. Anyways, it takes part in a nightclub. I think there's some dirty dancing going on. Just something risque. The song Blue. We'll give you a little piece of it right now. Once again, I want to thank my co-host Colin Krieger for just being awesome. And uh, we have a good time chatting. So it's a pleasure to always have you here, man. Next episode, I'm going to be talking to the former lead singer of the Baja Men, Nehemiah Heald. And we're going to be talking about the music he's working on now and how things were back in the day. So make sure you tune in for that, guys. And make sure you hit us up on social media. I want to see you guys in your hypercolor shirts, in all your crazy fashions, wicked hair. Send me some clips, guys. Send me some photos. You can email me at dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Search Dope Nostalgia on Instagram or Nostalgia Dope on Twitter and you can find us. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.